Hello and welcome to another episode of Bearded Things. I am one of your bearded hosts. My name is Tyler. I, you may be a little confused right now, but like we talked about last episode, Chris is doing some schooling. So I am here and I'm here with a guest host, our first guest host of what's going to be a little string of guest hosts. And that is our bearded friend, Gabby. Gabby, say hello to the people. Aloha, everyone. So how are you, Gabby? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. You know, just it's another beautiful day in Hawaii, May, and just absorbing all the sunshine and the beach waves. I'm just kidding. I'm definitely not at the beach. I wish I were there, but don't we all? Honestly, I, I'm pretty sure like 90% of the country hates you right now because the entire East Coast is under like 80 feet of snow and everyone else is having terrible weather. So thanks for telling us all that you're living in sunshine and paradise. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime you need that reminder, I'm more than happy to send that to you. Yeah. Um, And I understand that you just recently got over having COVID for the first time. How was it having your uh, COVID cherry popped? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I honestly didn't know what to expect. I mean, I work in healthcare, but um, despite knowing all the signs and symptoms, I really didn't think I had COVID (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, it started off that I was um, exposed via close contact and got tested and it took about three days for the test to finally come back positive and initially I felt okay and I took a nap and once I woke up (laughs) from that nap that was it for me like everything just hit me like a brick I mean I have asthma had asthma Mm. since I was a kid and I feel like that has been kicking my butt the hardest just doing the smallest task like petting my cat I'm like I'm out of breath what's happening (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) I'm happy to say that uh I am out of breath because I have had COVID not just because I've gained a significant amount of weight (laughs) during quarantine (laughs) yeah you have an excuse to be winded when you're walking upstairs now it's perfect exactly Nice. Well, I'm glad you got your results back in three days too. Um, I posted, I think last week, you guys may have saw that I also tested positive for COVID. Um, not because we were hanging out because you live in Hawaii and I'm in California, <laughs> but COVID's kind of everywhere. And working in retail with the public, I got tested positive and it was my third time. I'm trying to do my punch card to get the free trip to the CDC. Um, and it, I got tested on Thursday last week when I left, I left work and went and got tested and I didn't get my results back until Wednesday of this like past week so um it took me almost a week to get my results back which is just crazy but um I this was definitely the least symptomatic of the times that I've had it um the first time was super bad the second time was pretty bad but this one I didn't have the fever I just had like the cough the sore throat I honestly thought I had a cold and that's why I was like oh no big deal and then one of my coworkers tested positive and then one of my other coworkers tested positive and I was like oh shit like we had to shut the store down and everything so wow uh, yeah, it was a little rough there for, for a minute, but um, yeah, it was kind of a little unplanned vacation, but um, yeah, it was good. Wow. Do you think that your different symptoms that you got or differences in the symptoms that you got could be due to possibly contracting the different variants? I'm almost positive because that's what they were like when I was looking up everything. And even when I talked to the um, the lady when they were doing like my testing, she was saying that people who have been tested positive for like the Omicron 
variant that's been out that's like the super contagious one you don't have the fever you just have like the sore throat the cough the runny nose and it like it feels like a cold but it's actually like a super contagious version of the covid like the omicron variant so i i definitely think it was the different like variants um but I, i i don't know for sure i know it's all still covid based but it's you know the different strains and stuff like that so i think it's likely but i don't know for sure what it was it doesn't tell you like you tested positive for this variant it's just like COVID, right, SARS right. 2, blah 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 like yeah just based on your experiences it's, like you said more likely that's kind of what happened I feel like it's either that or because I've had it so many times and I'm vaccinated and all that stuff it's just like now it's like COVID's my bitch like I don't need this like true, true. I doubt it I don't want to jinx it because I'll probably get some super <laughs> super variant that's gonna like kill me in two days but um Jeez. who knows there's probably a wide variety of it Maybe science will figure it out because science does what science is. Absolutely. I'm hopeful. Uh, Okay. Before we get started, uh, there was something we were talking about off air that you wanted to mention that you were kind of upset about something that's happened in the news recently. So the floor is yours. Yes. Thank you. No, absolutely. It's been bugging me. I have to say almost more than this whole coronavirus issue. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I'm so upset, Tyler. With what the happened? desexualization of the green M&M. How <laughs> dare they? <laughs> How do they do this to her? Yeah, that's uh, for those that are unaware, um, which if you're not on social media, I think that's the only way you could be unaware because it's been all over the place. I know like my feed was like blowing up about the green M&M and all that stuff, but uh, they they wanted to desexualize their M&M characters, which are just basically anthropomorphized circles of chocolate <laughs> um but yeah apparently the green m&m was too sexy with her like what did, i don't even remember she had like heels and like the lace hand like the gloves right oh i wish so she just had the boot heels and i mean they all had the peach skin now they i believe they're just all white arms and legs but they've mm. all had like the peach tan colored arms and legs with the gloves and mm-hmm. different shoes hers are just booted heels she's got the lashes but so does the brown m&m and she has glasses but she's keeping her heels so i'm like what's up with that huh that's very interesting um takes away i don't it's weird to say it's taking away from the femininity of an m&m because like it's an inanimate object but uh um, right it's it's, it's just kind of weird it's kind of indicative i feel like in what's going on in the world in the u.s like with women's rights being taken away it's like now they took the imminent too it's just like where are they gonna stop absolutely you would think <laughs> okay so um this is our first guest host episode and we kind of have a set schedule set up where today i am introducing you all to gabby and then i am going to do a topic myself and my topic is going to be the serial killer known as Israel Keys. And then next week, Gabby, you will be on the spot because you will have an episode or next episode, excuse me, not next week. We're still doing bi-monthly episodes for now until we get everything settled. Uh, so you'll be on the spot and you'll have a uh, an episode. So the world will be waiting and watching. <gasps> I don't know if I'm ready for that pressure. <laughs> well, you have two weeks. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be perfect. It'll be just in time for almost Valentine's Day. So no pressure. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh but before we do that uh it's time to get into our tried and true mid-episode banter with the beardsleys 
What's Banter with the Beardsleys? Thank you for asking. So <laughs> Banter with the Beardsleys is our kind of fun, off-the-cuff, unscripted conversation between usually Chris and I, but Chris isn't here. We thought about bringing him in just for the banter, but his schooling is more important than banter. So we're going to do banter with the Beardsley plus guest host, but you're an honorary bearded friend, so it'll be, still be banter with the Beardsleys. And Woo-hoo. I believe you have the topic for this week, correct? Yes, I do. I hear it's very off the wall and super nothing we were just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You're absolutely right. Nice. Yeah. So my question is, um, which of the six Eminem characters would you be and why? The green Eminem, because I am too sexy that they have to desexualize me. (laughs) Damn! (laughs) I love it. Um, You know, I don't, I don't really know. Um, which Eminem characters like I always the the ones I always like think about is the the red and the yellow Eminem from like the I think it's the Coca-Cola commercial or the oh it's an Eminem's commercial I'm stupid um <laughs> with Santa they're like he does exist and he's like they do exist um and I just always liked the yellow Eminem and I love the fact that uh I can't remember his name but the actor he's in a lot of different movies he's the um like we've seen it we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two the farmers, I think. Ah, yeah. That guy. He's the voice of the yellow Eminem, and he's the only one that's done the voice the entire length of like the characters, and it makes me happy that he's still doing that. So like, I like the yellow Eminem. Eminem. I just like the fact that he's kind of like aloof. Um, mm-hmm. The red Eminem's kind of like angry all the time, which I feel like sometimes I'm like that. So like, maybe I'm like a combination of the red and the yellow Eminem. But not okay. orange if you mix them together because the orange Eminem is just scared of everything. And I don't know. I was gonna say before you mentioned the orange Eminem, I I think I kind of vibe with the orange Eminem. <laughs> I don't know if he's seen his face, but he doesn't look too trusting of the world and his situation. Like that's true. He can't figure out if he's like in the right group or not. I'm like, yeah, no, that's definitely me. And I I consider the brown Eminem, or shall I say, Ms. Brown. Mm-hmm. Um as she and I both rock some glasses, but I think she has too much of a boss, but boss babe vibe for me. <laughs> I don't think I'm that confident yet. I need to work up from my uh, orange M&M status to the brown M&M. Nice. There you go. That's, I like that. It's like the stages of confidence level. Like I went from orange M&M to brown M&M. <laughs> It'll be good. We'll check back in two weeks. We'll see what, what level of M&M you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh well cool if any of you are curious or want to let us know which Eminem you are we at the end of the show we'll give you some plugs and you can figure out a way to let us know if you don't already know that most of you already do but we'll get into that and for now we are going to take a quick commercial break and you're going to hear from our friend Chris back ladies and gentlemen and we hope you enjoyed that brief um appearance by chris there giving us our commercial i know it's taboo to talk about commercials when we're doing a show but it's really nice to hear his voice i kind of miss you chris i miss you too chris i definitely don't fill the void i'm sorry everyone but (laughs) don't say that you're doing a great job i think people will love it i'm i can't wait to hear the fan mail and the people excited about it um 
but yeah, Chris, school is important. We appreciate you. We support you. We love what you're doing. But yeah, we're going to miss you for the next couple months. But it's okay because we have great guest hosts like Gabby. But today's not Gabby's day. It's my day. So I'm going to take over. If you're okay with that, of course, Gabby. Absolutely. Fire Good. away. Because you're a guest host. You don't have any rights. <laughs> I'm kidding. <clears throat> Alrighty. So um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm going to be covering a serial killer by the name of Israel Keys. And as you know, with most topics of this nature, I want to issue a trigger warning because the topic does feature some sexual assault and graphic violence. Listener discretion is highly advised. And that being said, let's get into it. Israel Keys was born to Heidi and John Keys in Cove, Utah. Israel was the second born child to what would eventually be a large Mormon family consisting of 10 kids. All the children were homeschooled and around the the time Israel was five, the family had rejected Mormonism and moved to Washington state. While in Washington, they lived in a one room cabin that had no running water or electricity. The family also became involved in a church called the Christian Israel Covenant Church, which was pretty blatantly practicing white supremacy and Christian identity ideology. For those of you wondering what that means, the Christian identity movement is a kind of twisted interpretation of Christianity that believes that only Celtic and Germanic peoples are the descendants of the true ancient Israelites. The ideology and church has been pretty much condemned by everyone, including the Anti-Defamation League and other, you know, anti-racist and moral organizations. And I don't really want to bring that. I'm not bringing this up just to like inflame the masses, but to give some background to the life that Keys grew up around. And Keys himself later called the church and community he grew up in a quote militia-like Amish community. One of the family's best friends was a white supremacist who would go on to commit a triple murder after raping and torturing a couple and their eight-year-old daughter. Keys abandoned his, quote, Christian faith in his teens and eventually embraced Satanism. So now that we've established a bit of background on Keys, let's get into the reason you're all listening to this, aside from wanting to hear my super sexy voice, of course. When Keys was 20, he joined the army and served his four years stationed mainly at Fort Lewis in Washington and Fort Hood in Texas. He did have some deployment to Egypt during this time, but from everything I could find and dig up on him, I don't believe he ever saw combat. His fellow soldiers did report that he was a very quiet man and kept to himself, but had a reputation as a heavy drinker, and on his off days in the weekends, he was known to finish entire bottles of wild turkey throughout the day. Same. (laughs) (laughs) When he was honorably discharged in 2001, he returned to Washington and lived in the Macaw Reservation in the very northwesternmost tip of Washington. You could say Keyes wasn't a fan of the whole state, just the tip. <laughs> I put in here, pause for laughter, inappropriate comment. So I appreciate your little key. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so on the surface, Keyes was pretty quiet for a couple of years, and he really only had a couple minor moving violations. But other than that, he was very much off the law, law enforcement radar. What law enforcement didn't know until much later was that Keyes was anything but quiet. He spent a lot of time traveling all over the country, and he visited states such as New York, New Jersey, Alaska, and Vermont, to be sure, but also claimed to have traveled to many more states. The purpose of his travels was not business or pleasure. It was for plotting murder. More specifically, he was leaving what he called, quote-unquote, murder kits in unincorporated areas of the state for later use. In 2007, Keyes moved near Anchorage, Alaska, where he started a construction business called Keyes Construction. He did basic handyman work along with some smaller contractor type jobs. He didn't stay settled down, however, as he soon began traveling and plotting again. In 2009, Keyes robbed a bank in Tupper Lake, New York, but was never caught. That same month, it is alleged that Keyes traveled to New Jersey, where he abducted and murdered a woman named Deborah Feldman. He then took her body across state lines back to Tupper Lake and buried her in an undisclosed location. 
I say undisclosed because her body was never found. Two years later, Keys would strike again, but this time in Essex, Vermont. On the night of June 8, 2011, Keys broke into the home of Bill and Lorraine Courier. Keys broke into the house and tied both of them up and then drove them to an abandoned farmhouse not far from their home. Along the way, Keys would stop and grab his hidden murder kit. And I want to put out that not really much is known about what was actually in the murder kit since, you know, the FBI isn't really in the habit of spreading information like that. But they did release one such photo of a kit that was discovered near New York. And they're not all the same, but they usually consisted of some sort of hard container, either like a bucket with the lid or some other kind of like sealable plastic box that you can kind of get at Home Depot. Inside would be items that, well, you'd need to commit murder. Uh, usually a weapon of some sort, a gun, some rope, plastic, other items needed to really commit some vile atrocities. The kit that was found in New York was a, was a Home Depot bucket, and it contained some rope and a broken down 22 caliber rifle. Okay, now back to the murders. Once Keyes got the couriers to the farmhouse, he immediately shot and killed Bill and then sexually assaulted Lorraine before strangling her to death. What happened after is unknown because Keyes never explained what he did with the bodies and they've never been recovered either. Having committed murder in the area, Keyes decided that it was time to move his murder kit to another city where he drove to Parisville, New York, and he stashed that kit. Six months later, Keyes would kill his last confirmed kill. He returned to Alaska where he visited a coffee shop in Anchorage on February 1st, 2012. Keyes abducted an 18-year-old woman named Samantha Koenig from the shop. He took her debit cards and personal effects and then sexually assaulted her before killing her. He stashed her body in a shed near his house and then traveled to New Orleans. Why was he visiting New Orleans, you ask? Well, not for placing new murder kits and definitely not for Mardi Gras because he was a couple months early for that. He was ready to get on a boat with his family and go on a two-week cruise to the Gulf of Mexico that they had booked a couple months ago. So the dude knew he was going on a, had a cruise coming up, so he casually decided to commit murder, then hop on a trip to the Gulf of Mexico. After the cruise, Keyes returned to Alaska and to the shack where he found Koenig's body very well preserved due to the frigid Alaskan winter conditions. Due to her being missing for about two weeks, the people of Anchorage were looking for her, and Keyes tried to cash in on this. The police had security footage of the night Samantha disappeared, and all signs point, pointed to it being a robbery and kidnapping. So the town and police knew she didn't just randomly disappear. Keyes then decided to put makeup on Samantha and use fishing line to sew her eyes open. He then took a photo of her holding a newspaper from a few days earlier and sent a text to Samantha's boyfriend from her phone demanding $30,000. Keyes told them that they could find information at a park nearby, but when the family and police showed up, all that was there was another photo of Samantha. Samantha's dad deposited $5,000 into Samantha's account, and the police waited to see if they would get anything. Keyes, being the genius he is, went to an ATM and withdrew as much of the money as he could. But as soon as he used the ATM, it flagged his position and gave police a picture of him. The picture was not identifying because he was wearing sunglasses and a hoodie covering his whole face, but the police had a location at least. Keyes was in Wilcox, Arizona, some 4,000 miles away. The police were able to track his movement into New Mexico and then into Texas. During one of the withdrawals, Keyes fucked up, and in the background, police were able to see what looked like a white forward focus. And I don't know what it is about murderers using their white forward vehicles to evade the police. And I guess I should say alleged murderers. Also, if you don't get that joke, you're too young for this podcast, and you should probably go get a nice big glass of orange juice, just saying. So police have a description of the car in a direction that he's heading east, so they put out this information to law enforcement. On March 13th, a Texas state trooper spotted the suspected vehicle in a hotel parking lot. The trooper waited until a man came out and got in the car, then followed it. Being the doofus that he is, Keys immediately began speeding, so the trooper pulled him over. The license given to the trooper had the name Israel Keys on it, 
He's had no warrants or issues on his record to merit more than a ticket, but thankfully the trooper used the description of the vehicle as cause to search the vehicle. Inside the car, he found Samantha's ID, her debit card, her cell phone, and to further seal the deal if there was any other doubt, he finds the exact outfit that Keyes was wearing when he withdrew the money from the ATMs. I wish I had time to go into the whole detective work with the interviews and the interrogations because it really is pretty fascinating, but we would be here for another hour or so, so I'm just going to leave that part out. But suffice to say, detectives really didn't have much work to do because Keyes was very forthcoming with the information. He always wanted something in return, however. He wanted like a coffee or a cigar or some sugar for his coffee, like little random things. But when he would get these little things, he would admit to huge things like the murder of Samantha Koenig right away and even told police where the body was. I will preface this by saying there are some disturbing details with this confession. When asked what he did with the body, Keyes told investigators that he had dismembered her body and took it to Lake Matanuska near Anchorage. He told police that he drilled holes in the ice and then dropped the body parts into the ice. And then he would randomly grab a piece of flesh and use it as bait and fished for a while. When investigators asked if he caught anything, he said, quote, yeah, I caught fish. Then asked what he did with the fish, Keyes replied matter-of-factly, quote, well, I took him home and ate him, end quote. Needless to say, Keyes was kind of a sick dude. During the investigation, police discovered that the three murders I mentioned, along with what he claimed was his first ever kill back in 1998 before he joined the army. One of the things that really fascinated investigators and criminal profilers was that Keyes really had no profile. He had no motive. He chose his victims at random. He was very careful how he moved. The only thing he really did that was similar was he strangled them to death because he said he'd like to watch the life fade from their eyes, which I know is pretty common with serial killers and is really disturbing. But for instance, with courier murders, he rented a car from Chicago, then drove over a thousand miles to Vermont before committing that murder. Keys gave information on a suspected spree of bank robberies, some home invasions, and suspected arson cases in the cities that he had been traveling. And in total, he also claimed to have killed at least 21 people over several states. He made vague statements of traveling outside the country as well, so his victim list could really be more international. During the course of the investigations, one thing Keys kept asking for was for him to be executed as soon as possible because, believe it or not, he had a fucking daughter. He didn't want to make a big publicity thing, and he didn't really want her to go through that, so he wanted to be executed quickly. Despite that, he made very public declarations in court praising Ted Bundy, of all people, and saying that he admired him. He also never apologized or backed down for any of his murders and called Dennis Rader, the infamous BTK killer, a wimp because he was so apologetic in court. On May 23, 2012, Keyes attempted to escape from his imprisonment by breaking the leg shackles and running out of the courtroom during a hearing. He didn't get very far, obviously, because he was tased, just steps outside the courtroom. Keyes became increasingly anxious when an execution day or even a trial had not been set up. On December 2nd, 2012, Keyes somehow was able to sneak a razor blade into his cell and use it to slit his wrist and attempted to hang himself as well. He was unsuccessful in hanging himself, but the act of cutting his wrist did succeed in ending his own life. He left a suicide note, but, it, but according to authorities, it was pretty incoherent and seemed more like a, quote, ode to murder. In 2020, the FBI released a drawing of 11 skulls and a pentagram that was drawn in blood and was found under his bed after his suicide. Underneath the skulls is the phrase, we are one. And the FBI believes that this is an estimate of how many people he actually killed. To this day, the FBI has not closed the case and are actually investigating the dozens of missing persons cases that they believe all have credible evidence linking them to the case with Keys. And that, my bearded friends, is the story of the serial killer, Israel Keys. Wow. Yeah, I, I figured I'd get something really light and, you know, easy to, to listen for your first, you know, guest episode. 
Wow. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> yeah, Is it course. wrong of me to say that, you know, while you were telling his story, I was thinking of how, when I was a child, I used to collect quarters, you know, the different state quarters and put them on my little map <laughs> and to think that he was probably doing the same, but with the bodies and leaving with his people. murder kits around. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, also kind of interesting that you said you did it when you were a kid. I was in high school when that shit came out. When I was collecting quarters, how old are you, Gabby? <laughs> you don't have to answer, but it just <laughs> makes us feel old. I say us because Chris isn't here, but in spirit, Chris is always here. Um, but yeah, that was it. When I was like doing the research and looking into it, like it, it knew some of it was like pretty messed up, but then like like the whole thing with like the Samantha Conan case, I feel like could have been a episode in itself because it was so detailed and there's so much like stuff that like how the town rallied and the whole investigative process and how they really like there was like two guys that like were like like buttering up um keys and like being like buddy buddy with them and everyone was like talking shit to them and like why are you being so nice to them and they're like we're detectives like this is what they do and that's when they found out like all these other murders and so it was kind of crazy wow yeah so um but that's that's it for me tonight um is there anything you would like to add before i get into where people can send us messages no, not not really. Just thank you and Chris for allowing me to be here and be one of your first guest hosts on the show. It's so exciting and so awesome to be on this side of the <laughs> sound waves, I guess. Yeah, you got to see the behind the actions and how everything kind of works out. And uh, Thank you for being our first guest host. I say you always remember your first, so we appreciate you. Uh, okay, so now if any of you want to send in suggestions, let us know which M&M is your favorite, what your thoughts are on the desexualization of the green M&M. You could do that by contacting us on any of our social medias. Our Instagram is at Bearded Things Pod. Our Facebook is facebook.com slash Bearded Things. We have this really cool Bearded Things, Bearded Friends group, which Gabby is a part of. So if you yes. want to get on there and tell her how amazing she did, please join that group so you can tell her. Don't use your cell phone to text her. Get on the group and tell her. Um, so yeah, you can join that on Facebook. We also have a YouTube, which is at Bearded Things Pod, and a Twitter, which is at Bearded Things. You can also contact us through our email. You can send to contact us at beardedthings.com or go to our website, which is www.beardedthings.com. On there is a contact us form, which you can fill out, and it comes directly to us. We love hearing from you guys. We would love to hear the feedback. I'm sure Gabby would love to hear feedback on how good she did or how terrible she, you thought she did. Um, because knowing <laughs> our listeners, we get a little bit of both. So uh, Gabby, be prepared to hear some of the hate mail. And uh, yeah, unless there's anything else you have left to say, uh, we're going to sign off for the evening and uh, we'll see you next time. Aloha, ahui ho. Mm-hmm.